This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And this is Father Bonaventure Chapman. Welcome to God's Plating. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Bonaventure, here we are again. Here we are. Ready for another episode. That's right. And yeah. middle of August-ish. Ish, so yeah. Summer is finished out or finishing well, out. I sure hope not. Yeah, well, it's getting close. It's yeah. getting close, you know. Unrelated to summer, okay. unrelated to the topic of this oh, podcast. Double in relation. Yeah, totally. Many steps removed. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. Favorite board game. Favorite board game. Huh. Um, when I was growing up, we played a lot of Parcheesi, which uh, which I do like as a board game. Um, but I think my- Is that a board game? Yeah, what do you, it has a board and it's a game. Um, so I just don't. I just oh, always thought Parcheesi. No, I've heard of it. I just thought it was kind of like, is there, is there dice involved? There are dice involved, and you move little pieces around the the board, and you have to like get them into the. Basically, all board games are if you they're just like rolling dice and moving a, moving a space in a particular line that's wrapped around stuff, and there's usually a story around the line. But you could kind of just simplify everything yeah. to, you know, yeah. <laughs> a straight line. A, grab a ruler and a and a pair of dice and a. And a uh, penny and you've got board you've got every board game yeah um so that's that's a good simple one more complex board games i guess my favorite one is diplomacy uh the uh the kind mm-hmm. of world war one uh, strategy game yeah which involves no dice so it's just if anyone knows you play the seven different countries um and you all move at the same time so everyone puts in orders to move and you have to like take you have armies and navies and you try to take over supply depots basically to get stronger and so one, everyone moves at the same time. So you'll release your orders at the same time. Two, there's no dice. So it's just Perfect. a matter of uh, just a matter of who well, who had the stronger, most most supporting armies, for instance. And then, and three is that when you, there's to win the game, uh, you have to backstab at some point. And to to do well to and that to do well you have to backstab, but to win the game actually you have to like do it twice. So you have to be able to be good. So you have each between each move. There's only about twenty, maybe twelve or fifteen moves in the game. Between each move, you ha- you you meet for like there's like a thirty minute period, fifteen minute period, where you you know Russia talks to Britain and then and then Russia talks to France and then Britain's like, hey, wait a minute, I thought you were talking to me. And then Russia goes, no, no, I told him this is what we're gonna do, but actually this is what we're gonna do. And you have to trust. You all write down your orders in secret. Although if yeah. you're lucky, you can force someone to write down their orders in front of you. Uh, and then, and then you, they realize that they've been betrayed, but it's too late for them to get back at you. So that's a great, it's a long game cause it takes about four or five hours to play oh if you want to do it. Um, but, but it is, it requires sort of rhetoric and sort of, yeah, it, diplomacy. Yeah. Like I've that. heard of it. I've never played it, but oh, I do love it. like games like that. Um, in that, in that world. So like risk, I like yeah. monopoly. Oh, that's an awful game. Yeah, most people think so. Yeah. The problem with those those games though of of uh of that that require like conversation mm-hmm. and negotiation is that when you, like especially for us in religious life when you yeah. play with the same people you can't you you reveal your cards very quickly as to what like you're negotiating and sort of backstabbing strategies are. Yep, so you, right. once you play once or twice, it's kind of like you it's can't true. play with those people yeah, anymore. Yeah, you can't play a weekly game of diplomacy. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's so fair. anyways, yeah. well, hey, if you're looking for something to do in these last days of summer, this summer, play wonderful. diplomacy. Yeah, it's a great great game. Or Monopoly. It takes about the same time. Yeah. One's actually fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, Monopoly's great. Uh, okay, well, on to today. On to today's topic. Moving from the unrelated back to the related. Today we're going to talk about prayer, right? But uh, the question of, I guess it's really the question that underpins all prayer. It's like mm-hmm. the efficacy of prayer. Basically, the question of like, does prayer change God's mind, yeah. or how does prayer affect God and providence and these sort of things. So, yes. um, I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a question perhaps some people ask more than others, but really at the heart of the spiritual life of like, it really kind of boils down to is like, what's the purpose of praying? Mm-hmm. Is it to change God's mind to get what I want? Is it not that? What is it? Um, yeah. so I don't know, maybe set us up a little more clearly than that. Yeah. You might have, um, you might think that prayer is a relation b- between persons in a way that communication is like persons. And there's different ways of prayer, of course, there's you know, confession, adoration, and thanksgiving and meditation and contemplation. We, prayer is a wide thing, but oftentimes prayer, we mean prayer requests. Mm-hmm. So the prayers at mass of intercession, um, your own prayer might involve praying for someone. When we say, when we say to someone, would you mind praying for me? We usually don't mean like take that person to contemplation, like Father Jacob Bertrand would, you know, would you pray for me? And you go, oh, I'd love to contemplate Sit your there, attributes. Yeah, ponder you know, Father Bob. Yeah, exactly. Although who knows, maybe there'll be fruit <laughs> to be gained from it via negativa. But we generally mean to, to ask for something. So prayer is kind of a request. And you'd think that requests actually bring about something. So when I request that you do something for me, you either change, you do either, you either uh, follow through with it and bring it about, or you choose not to. But either way, you're doing something in response to my request. And that seems fair enough. So that, I mean, this is a common notion of how we request and ask for things. So when you ask for gods for things, uh, Romans would have done this, and you expect the gods to do things uh, and to change based upon that. Um, not change like turn it, you know, you don't request them to, you know, uh, Zeus to turn into a squid, but that he do something, that he move at least. So there might be a sense that actually prayer, like all requests, should have some response based upon that particular prayer uh, in the one that's being requested, the request, the requestee, the requester, um, the requested one. Uh, But there are good reasons to believe that that's not the case in the case in the case of, of Christian prayer. Yeah, well I think I mean the 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 main and the what foundational reason to believe that that's not the case is is when we consider who God is. You know, he's not a, he's not a sort of fickle kind of pagan god. He is the one true god who is eternal and unchanging. He's yeah. perfect, you know. Yeah. So um it, when we consider God in his nature and who he is, then it, that's where kind of these things, you know, as you've described, this sort of when we request something, the expectation of an effect or a response kind of, it's then, well, if God doesn't change and is, he knows all things and, you know, outside of time and, um, you know, he's not affected by us in that kind of way, yeah. then what does, what is the point? You know, yeah. how does this work? Yeah, and you might think even... Uh more strongly that maybe he does change. Like maybe actually, I mean, he does, for instance, I mean, you have, and you might have good reason to believe so. For instance, he says he does um, in scripture. Right. When he, or at least it appears where it's revealed that he changes his mind about things so that with Hezekiah's prayer, he asks for, you know, uh, the prophet says, the Lord's going to give you this much time. Hezekiah prays and, and, and asks for supplications. And then the Lord's, 
gives him more time, for instance. This happens with Moses, I suppose, um, the famous with Abraham, and uh, and um, I think it's uh, um, oh, Gomorrah, I think he's asked, how many men will find 50 men? Okay, well, what if I find 45? Okay, 45. Well, what if I find 40? What if I, okay, kind of keeps, you know, is he playing around there? Um, you might get, so it seems like at least there are scripture passages where he does change his mind. And yeah, the other side, of course, uh, this is important, the scripture passage where it says, he is not the one who changes mind, Malachi the prophets. I'm not one who changes. He directly says that. Um, and then you have numbers, of course, that I'm not a being that changes my mind. And you have other accounts like this. So he's, he, so let's put it this way. You might think that actually the scripture makes it very clear that God does change his mind. But in the scriptures, we actually have both cases. It right. says it looks like God, he even used the word repents. Um, and other times, though, no, he can't do that. And that's not a timing like, oh, sometimes God repents and sometimes he's not, sometimes he's capable of repenting, other times he's not capable of repenting. It must be one or the other. So we have to make a decision about which one to privilege there. Um, so it might look like even he does change his mind, but this is a good Catholic versus Protestant point, I suppose. You've got to bring in some way to solve the, the apparent discrepancy and pick which, which of these passages um, you want to privilege. And because of our thoughts about who God is and what it would mean to be a God uh, as one who is not, who is the creator and not the receiver of things, then we want to privilege the, the non-changing one. Uh, which again gets us back to the problem of, so why, what, why in the world pray? Right. Well, with respect, let me ask mm -hmm. your thoughts on this. With respect to those passages in Scripture where it says that God repents or changes His mind, or you know, we can read throughout where where sort of intercession is made or pleading is yeah. made, and God, you know, does repent, changes. But what mm -hmm. what to make of those and reading them and hearing them at ma hearing these passages at mass and reading when we read the scriptures? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, one way could be these are clearly mistaken passages and we should throw them out, um, but that would be bad. Um, seems it, not to be Mainly true because or, it's false. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there has a tradition of cutting out passages in the Bible that you don't like. Um, I would be against that, and so would the church, and I suspect you. Um, I think it, yes. we, <laughs> Let the we should show. always... We should yeah. always one of the important things here, and I think it's this, is, this brings us to an overall point, I suppose, and that I'll apply, is that God is not not God. God is not not God. He's God. And we, in our own finite limitations in our minds, we naturally impose out in the world our own kind of conceptions of things, and we relate to things that we know. Uh, and the highest, most powerful things we know are kind of like, I don't know, presidents or people, basically, and waves, yeah. people and giant waves. Um, okay. And so we, I think sometimes with God, we probably like just combine a person with a giant wave, this powerful thing, and we think, oh, you know, this, he must be like this. But we must remember that whenever we're talking about God, we're going to be speaking a lot of negative theology in the sense of we're going to be speaking about things that are limited and actually say less about him uh, and, and more about what he's not than what he actually is. So it's, I always remind myself when I'm, when I'm worried about dealing with some of these passages is to remind myself, God is God, he's not not God, which means he is totally different He's, he's fundamentally different and fundamentally greater and fundamentally eminent over all of the attributes, whatever it might be. That means any time God is revealed to us in Scripture, he is always, in a sense, revealed through a, through a funnel, 
through a siphon, yeah. where things will be, we will not be able to catch all of the light of divine glory. And therefore, there are these adumbrations and, and, and things made for us. So when he talks, so in, for instance, the repentant passages there, if you want to interpret those from the right perspective, I would say, in the Catholic perspective, you want to say it's for us that it, it looks like to us that he repents, but in himself, of course, he doesn't. It's meant for us in the same way that he talks about God's strong right arm. God, qua God, does not have a right arm. Just not, the left. Yeah, just the left yeah. hand. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a divine lefty. Yeah. Um, so, but no one gets upset about the fact that we're like, no, hold on a second. Well, Mormons are like, maybe he does. But no one, Catholics yeah. get upset. And yet we get upset. Well, repentance is just another attribute. It's just another characteristic or something that we apply to God, but we have to do so carefully. Yeah, in Revelation and how God reveals himself through his word, and also we can use the incarnation here as the sure. prime example yeah. um, of how God reveals. He does so, he reveals to us in a mode that is appropriate to our understanding, right? So Christ becomes a man because it's in, like he, he he's yeah. the second person of the Trinity for is us. revealed uh, in this as, yeah, for us. It's like in a human mode so that we can understand a little bit. Yeah, and I remember thing, so. um, the passage, I know John Calvin is not exactly a Catholic exegete, but sometimes blind squirrels find nuts. And this has always struck me. I'm sure a church father said this too at some point. But I remember he said that God in Revelation speaks by lisping, but what he really meant was speaks like baby talk to us. So when you're around a small child, it's funny as an adult, like I would never go, ooh, we found the Jacob version. How are well, you? you? Might, How are you doing? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But like when you're around a small child, you take on the voice. You do this baby talk stuff, which from a, th a third person perspective looks weird. But it feels weird to go to my, like my, my niece Hannah. Hannah, how are you doing today? Were you th like talking to her as a full, she's not, she's only four. Yeah. But like, especially when she was two or three. She's not yet ready right. for that full. So we do these weird kind of lisping and stuff. And someone says, this guy's insane. He talks like a baby. It's like, no, only when around babies, he talks like a baby. But when he's around other people, he talks unintelligibly. Right. right? Yeah. So that's scripture is kind of, I love the image. God's kind of baby talk to us. And we might, oh, it's too bad. Well, we're, well we are babies yeah. compared to divine essence. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So we have these yeah. passages where it seems that, you know, if we're looking for evidence as to why, or whether or not it prayer changes, changes yep. God's mind. In the scriptures, we have evidence that it seems that he might, but I think we've kind of, at least for good, the context of today, we have yeah. yeah reasons to say, well, it's not That's an actual okay. change. It's a matter of perspective and yep. a mode of revealing. But we also have passages that say the opposite, that God doesn't change his mind. And thinking about God as God, yeah. um, who he is, it would seem that God doesn't change his mind. So let's say a little bit about that vis-a-vis -vis prayer and yeah, how does this not? all fit together? Yeah, then? that's a good point. So, um, like, so God, when God acts, he acts of himself uh, from his own uh, choices and decisions. He's not responding because, remember, God is God, uh, and he's infinite as opposed to our finitude. So his, his creation and his actions are done, in a sense, entirely freely. Like, our actions, even our free actions... Our instinctual actions that determine actions are in response to things, entirely in response to things. You know, if you slap me, I'm going to get angry. Um, but uh, God, and but our free actions are partly responding to things that are happening around us, but us choosing what to do with those. In a sense, God has this radical freedom, which is because of his wisdom, not, you know, uh, totally free, uh, but rather freedom in to do the good. So he does this on his own. Now, how we respond to that 
uh, and what prayer is, is, is that prayer is, in some ways, it's a human act. You might say, why do we do anything given that God does everything? Well, God acts on us in a sense in a more fundamental level than say we act. Thomas Aquinas breaks this down between primary and secondary causality stuff, this layer approach, which I think is helpful. It sounds abstract initially, but it 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 just is true that we act on things, I cause things, I'm sending out voice waves to you and such, and yet I still need God to be involved in these things because mm-hmm. I'm not the person who causes my own being. I cause where I move, but I'm not strong enough or causally efficacious enough to cause everything, not only existence, but staying around. So it means that I'm already cooperating with God. So even while I'm talking to you, the goal is, of course, that I'm cooperating with him in his providence, that he wants me to be talking to you right now. Since your father Jacob Bertrand, I assume he does. Um, more he wants the listeners to hear from you, of course, um, less than me. But um, in prayer, prayer seems like, well, if he does everything, in prayer, if he doesn't change, and if my prayer is meant to change him, well, then what's the point? Well, here's the thing. God can tailor our activities and does so for his ends while still allowing them to be of their own thing. I can't do that. I can't get make my actions uh, efficacious without forcing myself to do something or you to do something. But God can work, as Thomas says, most intimately, and he can choose the means to bring about things. So in prayer, it's simply said, God is bringing about his plan through using our speech. Un- not that dissimilar to him bringing about his kingdom by using our hands. Right. Yeah. And I think that uh, perhaps if we haven't thought about it in these terms before mm-hmm. or considered it in this way, that might seem to, it might be an uncomfortable reality to think, mm. well, then does it matter? Like, does it matter that I pray? Or, you know, if God is just going to do what he, you know, you could reduce it yeah, to this. Yeah. If God is just going to do what he wants and it's already in his plan anyways. It's well, God or this. Yeah. And of course it's an It's and. not. It's a both and because yeah. contained within God's plan are, are all of these pieces that we've talked about. One that we've been created in his image and likeness. We have an intellect and a will, a mind to know and a heart to love that we've been created in a way such that we are free to act mm-hmm. and make human choices and that those human choices are um, involved in, in, in the, in the sort of, in, from our perspective, the, the carrying out of God's plan and his providence. Yeah. So we could say from, you know, from all time, if we're talking about time, God, you know, we're limited here anyways, and actually in reflecting reality, but from all time, God has known in a way that doesn't manipulate my freedom, mm-hmm. that my prayer will be involved in the bringing about of some effect in creation. Yeah, let's say let's say this. Um, when I try to plan to do something, um, I try to think ahead, of course, but when I try to plan to do something, um, I, I have a general idea of the end. I want to go and, and, and uh, go to see a movie or something. Um, and then I have some basic ideas about I'm probably gonna take a metro, but I don't plan all of the steps along the way. It's impossible to. You know, I have to kind of move and, and groove with the situation as it were. But God, of course, sees everything perfectly because he creates everything perfectly. So for him, he can choose not only the end and some rough ways to the mean, the means to that end, what he wants to do, but he chooses every single thing of it. And he chooses, that's the, the claim, is that he chooses our prayers in the similar way that he chooses our hands and our actions. 
And because he's God, he's able to do this. Uh, if he wasn't God, if he wasn't God, then it would need to be responsive. He would need to be responsive to us because he would have to change his plans as he went along. But remember, because he's God, uh, he doesn't have to do that. And that's a very great thing because we really don't, when it comes down to it, you have a choice between saying, do you want the God who is this way and seems to, and we have to think a little hard about prayer on this, or do you just want a God who's a super angel? Like the response to us and just as ahead of the curve or something. Yeah. Right. But the problem with that is if God is not totally sovereign and if he's actually responsive to us, then part of the goodness of the world and the goodness of the end depends entirely on us. Which is a scary. We might want it. Thing. Remember that would yeah. be advice. Yeah. Yeah. When I think when, when I, I don't remember when I first, I mean, I'm sure I was a friar mm-hmm. and from when I was first kind of thinking about like, okay, what's the nature of all this providence, God's yeah. will, all, you know, and two things that have been helpful for me in, in recognizing like, what is then the, like the role of intercessory prayer when we ask, when we request as mm-hmm. we're told to, but you know, Christ tells us to ask, yeah. to knock, to seek. Um, so what's the whole, I, and I, two things stand out here and that's um, cooperation and participation. Yeah. Um, so we are, yeah. So as we've talked about sort of God's plan, we're invited to cooperate and participate in that in real ways, not in sort of like play kind of ways where it's just like, uh, we're just doing this to kind of like pretend at freedom and pretend. He's actually doing it. Yeah. But we're, yeah. But like in, we're, as I've already said, and as we've been talking about, we are created in such a way to actually cooperate in God's divine plan and be real operators in that, you know, God yeah. creates us in that way and to participate in those, in those realities. And the other thing too, is that prayer and even intercessory prayer has the nature of conformity of being conformed mm-hmm. to God, mm-hmm. to Christ in particular, but to, to God that, that it's less of us. If we think of prayer as me demanding these sort of requests and, and demanding to get something out of them, like it's God is not a sort of, it's not right. a transactional relationship in that sort daddy. of way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure it's not. Uh, but it's 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 much more about our will being conformed to the mm-hmm. divine will of our being made like gods in in prayer than it is making God like us. That's a good point. Yeah, the uh, prayer the prayer is meant. So it, prayer is good for us not only because it's the it, it's the way that God brings about certain things through the response to prayer. So your prayer for this person may be the means that God chose to use to bring this about. But even beyond that, or in that, I should say. Um, it's also conforming, regardless of whether that happens or not, whether he chooses that as means, it is the conformity of you to God's will if you're praying correctly. So that prayer becomes this conduit of your attachment to God's will and his love right. for you in all things. So it's prayer, all prayer is, is good, even if not all prayer is efficacious according to our purposes. Correct. Yeah, and I mean, this isn't something we're just making up or reading somewhere and regurgitating. I mean, we can just think of, the words of our Lord when he teaches us to pray in the Our Father. It's not our will be done, it's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we're a part of even the basic fundamental reality of prayer, the words that Christ directly mm-hmm. gives us yeah. has has this at the heart, you know, that, that it's the Father's will ought to be done and we ought to be entering and conformed to that. Like that's yeah. the point of grace in the Christian life of being conformed um, to God, not that God becomes conformed to us. Yep. And we don't, I want to like always, when we talk about these things, I, it's, it's not a sort of manipulation or control thing, but it's, 
It's that for which we're made. Yeah, it's a perfection. We're meant to be in perfect loving union with God, such that what He lo- what He knows, we know as we can, and what He loves, we love as we can. Um, which is not slavery to Him, but rather freedom to be who we ought to be. Yeah. yeah. So, in thinking about all of this, then I guess what are some summary points that like take home as you continue to think? You know, listeners continue to think about prayer, continue mm-hmm. to pray. How do we, let's like boil down to a couple kind of yeah, summary things to keep in mind. One, I guess to me at least, um, to remember that prayer is bigger than just petitionary prayer. The prayer is not about just getting stuff done that you can't reach with your hands. Sometimes we think like, oh, I want this to happen, but I can't fix that with my bare hands. Therefore, I'll just send God to fix it. Um, but God might have made that mess in the first place. And so he's actually okay with knowing what's going on. So the prayer, that conformity, that prayer is more of a passivity, even when it's petitionary. It's passivity of the will to God, as opposed to us just using, like commanding him, as you say, to do things. So it's in our, one is our attitude. Once our attitude to prayer changes a bit, as opposed to demanding things and wondering, well, if I'm supposed to demand things and he doesn't change, well, what's it going to do? But to rather that conformity, change your attitude, I think it makes prayer more about conforming to his love and his will, which of course will change things in the world. That's yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... We shouldn't be discouraged by the fact that like things aren't the way necessarily that we thought they were. That like mm-hmm. I get to ask and God does what I ask. You know, yeah. like we're we're called into we're 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 invited into a relationship with God and we're invited to participate in His life. Mm-hmm. And um, it's His life, His will that 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 we're made for. It's and being drawn into that is is the is the gift you know itself and yep. we also not we ought not doubt the um the efficacy of our prayers because it is how god has determined to carry yeah. out his plan he, he promises that he will answer that if we, whatever we asked in his name he will grant us now that's a whole different issue of what he means by that but god promises that he will answer prayers he answers them according to his will and according to his time but he does promise to do it and it's important to remember then of course again that that god is god He's not not God, and that this does fundamentally affect how we view him and our relationship to him, and it ought to. But it's not a scary thing. It's actually a really helpful and liberating thing. Well, there you have it. I think we can finish with that. Sure. Helpful, liberating, not scary. Not scary. That's good. Yeah. Great. No, all right, everyone. No diplomacy with God. That's right. No diplomacy. Yeah, no, he would He would know all of my tricks before I even tried them, so it wouldn't he be does. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it then. Good. Perfect. Thanks for listening to this episode of God's Planning. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Like, subscribe, leave a five-star review. If you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, follow the link in the description. You can also follow links in the description to check out our God's Planning merchandise and to get information on our upcoming young adult retreat. So that is being hosted in Malvern, Pennsylvania, uh, the weekend of November 3rd through 5th for young adults between the ages of 21 and 33. So if you're looking on uh, looking for a fall retreat to get away for a weekend, check it out. We'd love to have you. As always, thanks for tuning in. Pray for us. We're praying for you. And until next time, God bless.